Hey guys, and welcome back to the FFP. My name is Christian, and today we'll be bringing you our Week 12 waiver wire considerations. It's funny, at Week 12, you'd think that we're really just narrowing it down to the playoff teams and the teams with good rosters, and who needs to make waiver wire claims at this point? That's absolutely not the case. I'm in a league where I currently hold the best record. I'm 8-2. Looks like I'm at least very likely to get a bye week in the playoffs. Things are going very well. I'm either first or second in fantasy points in that league, depending on how this week ends up finishing out. So I'm a very good team. I'm still shifting through the waiver wire every single week, desperately trying to find talent. No matter how good you are, you can always get better. Now, I also want to say that you guys should definitely take a look and be ready. We're going to be putting out a video this week on uh, trade targets for Dynasty League players for 20 or Keeper League players, Dynasty League players for 2020. Guys, that you should be targeting to keep for next year. That's another thing that I do. People always wonder, and I get this, me and my dad do a lot. How do you have such good keepers? That's because we're also projecting into next year. We're in a league where you can even trade draft picks, talent, defensive players, offense players, a lot of things, and we're just constantly making moves to try to win both this year and set ourselves up for next year. This last year, I had three first round draft picks. This coming year, I'll have two first round draft picks. And so, working that uh, that trade, that waiver wire, getting all that talent that you can. Uh, that's going to be very important. As always, there will be timestamps down in the description below. And if you have a comment or a question, leave it down below in the comment section and I will do my best to answer you. Guys, thank you so much for joining us. Let's get right into it. A back to consider picking up there if you're in a pinch. If you're like me, I got James Conn and a bunch of other backs that are banged up at this point, and I'm looking for some guys the next week or two uh, as we head close to the stretch or the finish of the season here. guy to consider is Jonathan Williams, running back for the Indianapolis Colts. He's 99% available out there. Now today, Marlon Mack fractured his hand. He's already been declared out for Week 12 and is most likely going to miss multiple games. That'll probably stretch into the playoffs for us fantasy owners out there. Now today in relief, Williams went out. He had 13 carries, 116 yards. He also had a reception for 31 yards. Looked pretty good in a relief effort there. Now he came in the league in 2016 for the Buffalo Bills. In the preseason there, he looked like he had some talent. He made some noise in the preseason, looked decent anyways. Uh, saw a little bit of action in the regular season, nothing too significant. That was it for him. His next action he saw was 2018 with the New Orleans Saints. Uh, didn't do a whole lot there. Now I look at this guy. He's not a great long-term option. But if you need somebody that you need to stream the next week or two, I think he's a solid play for you. Now this week they play the Texans allowing the 14th fewest points to running backs. He's going to get the early down carries, and the guy that I think is going to be on third down or passing situations, another guy that's going to see increased value with Marlon Mack out is going to be Naheen Himes. And once again, he'll see an increase in carries. Not significant. Maybe he'll get six to eight carries per game, but he'll see a lot of action in the passing game there among those backs. Now, Himes, um, I would say, has value as a flex play in PPR leagues if you're in 12 teams or larger. Now, this is a guy that just came off a rookie season where he had 63 catches. That's really significant there. So once again, these two backs... We're going to have huge value now that Mac is going to miss at least a couple weeks there. So take a look at Jonathan Williams or Naheem Himes, depending upon your scoring system and your need in fantasy. All right, so the first guy I want to talk about is Josh Gordon. I like Josh Gordon a lot. For a guy who's 38% available, which he is, he's got a lot of upside. For starters, next week he plays the Philadelphia Eagles, giving up the eighth most fantasy points to wide receivers. That backfield there, their defensive back situation is just not great. They give up a lot of points. Everybody knows that. But when you look at it, his first game playing for the Seattle Seahawks was a pretty darn successful game when you really take a look at it. Not only was it against the 49ers, who is a good defense, and that already lowers my expectations for him. His two catches on two targets for 27 yards, uh, at least to me, really impressed me. Now, he was on, t on the field for 20, or excuse me, 38% of the team's offensive snaps. 
That's not a whole lot, but for a guy who hadn't completely worked into the roster, didn't know the whole playbook, and probably didn't even have a complete route tree, that's all pretty impressive. Now, just two catches isn't great, but for 27 yards, that's not a bad yards per catch, and he caught both of his targets. He's a guy who's going to continue to grow in his chemistry with Russell Wilson, and that's where I talk about the upside, massive upside for this guy. Russell Wilson, as his quarterback, currently leads the NFL with a pass rating of 114.9. You can pretty much consider that 150. We'll round up the extra tenth of a percent or whatever, but he's also got 23 touchdown passes on the year. That's currently first in the NFL. He's played great. Now, the bad news is Tyler Lockett will be coming out. He was hospitalized last week and didn't play, so that, uh, that definitely hurts him. Um, heading into the weeks in the future, but he's going to grow in his chemistry. He's got an MVP of a quarterback, or at least a guy who's in the MVP race, and he looked good. Again, the efficiency there was great. He caught both of his passes. Huge upside. There's definitely some downside with him. There's two other good wide receivers there, but all in all, I like this situation. It's a pickup that I would definitely consider making if you're looking for a wide receiver. Jalen Samuel is another guy to consider out there. This one's tough for me because I have James Conner in three leagues. Um, he's 34% available out there. Next week, play Cincinnati, allowing the third most points to running backs. Now, in our start set video last week, we even asked the question. We said last week in the start set video, which was, was playing James Conner in Thursday's game too soon to play him after he wasn't ready to play just four days prior, um, was it wise? Would it be better to sit him one more game and now give him 10 more additional days to rest? Well, sure enough, James Conner goes out there, re-injures his shoulder. Um, so a few questions there. One, will James Conner be back for week 12? Even if he is back, um, with his history of injuries, his inability to stay healthy. I love James Conner. He's a great back. He's very productive when he's on the field, but he's always banged up. The guy's always fighting some sort of injury there. So with his history of injuries, I think you need to take a look at picking up Jalen Samuels. Now, we mentioned this previously in our videos. We've talked about it many times, and this is probably the reason why the Pittsburgh Steelers were in a hurry to get James Conner back on the field and run the ball back in action there, is that Samuels is just not nearly as good of a pure runner as James is there. Uh, in fact, he's really struggled in that role uh, running the ball. He's got a 2.6 yards per carry, which is very low. Um, his yards after contact, elusive rating, all those metrics are very low for Samuels as far as just being a running back go. This is kind of the reason why Trey Edwards, uh, the little used, undrafted free agent journeyman, uh, was given carries and a chance to get some first and second down carries when Samuels has been starting in place of Connor. But in spite of his struggles, in spite of the fact that Samuels does not run the ball really well, he's still a very solid play, especially in PPR leagues. And here's why. Uh, Jalen, last five games, has had a total of 32 catches. Um, he's also had a total of 171 receiving yards during those games. He's receiving the ball 6.4 catches per game during that stretch. That's a crazy pace. In fact, if you project that out, that would turn out to be 102 catches over 16 games. Once again, he's very active in the passing game. And I think another reason why you can trust that usage in the passing game and why he's very secure in PPR league scoring is the play of Mason Rudolph. He's checking the ball down quite often to him and James Conner. If you look at Mason's average distance of throw, it's much shorter than Ben, Ruth ben Roethlisberger when he's quarterbacking or when Ben's at the helm there. Uh, so. He's a guy I think you definitely need to pick up, especially if you own James Conner out there. He's available in 34% of the leagues. Now, obviously, whether you're not going to start him is based on James Conner's health and availability. We'll have to monitor it this week. But right now, Sam is the guy that you need to grab, you need to put on your bench. 
At 86% available, Hunter Renfro is a guy you should consider picking up, not only for this week, we just mentioned he's another Raider, going against the Jets, second most fantasy points allowed to opposing wide receivers, that's great, but for me, even more than that is Dynasty League potential. This guy looks like Wes Welker, except better. It's funny, I made that comparison in my mind, I felt like, wow, he really looks like Wes Welker, and then you really watch him play, you look at the stats and realize he's probably going to be better than Wes Welker. Um, heading into this year, a couple of years ago, uh, one of the guys I like wide receivers that was young was Cooper Cup. He's my new Cooper Cup. I'm getting excited about him. I think he's going to be one of the top receivers in the NFL just a year or two from now. Take a look at this. He has 16 receptions on 19 targets. That is 84.2% reception percentage. That's since week seven, by the way. Um, that's second best in the NFL among the 67 qualifying NFL receivers. Um, the league average is 62%, so he is 22 two percent ahead of that he has a super high catch percentage he's also averaging 14 fantasy points a game over the last four games now that is ppr scoring he holds less value in standard leagues he's not been a big touchdown guy but both of his touchdowns this year he's only got two in the year but both of them have come in the last four games and to be quite honest it almost looks like he's starting to take over tyrell williams's number one role now, I just talked about Tyrell Williams being a pickup consideration, and here's why I can really say this for both of them. I don't think that Hunter Renfro has yet done that. That's a, a prediction I'm maybe making more for next year. Right now, they both still hold value. Um, Hunter Renfro more as the PPR guy, Tyrell Williams more as the red zone touchdown guy, but the upside of him is phenomenal. If you're looking for a dynasty pickup wide receiver to keep that could just be a monster next year, he is absolutely the one to look at. He reminds me sort of of, like I said, Wes Welker, but better. Maybe a DJ Chark, a guy who isn't coming, breaking out as a rookie or switching teams, but just simply getting better one year to the next could break out next season. You've seen throughout this year, he's simply getting better every week and developing as a wide receiver. And that's really more than you can ask for in the NFL. I'm just so excited about him. Leave a comment down below if you're as excited as I am. I'm hopping on the Hunter Renfro train. Let me know if you are too. Jacob Hollister, the Seattle Seahawks tight end, is 73% available out there, playing Philadelphia, allowing the 10th fewest points to tight ends. Now, before I talk about him, I want to talk about Will Disley a little bit, tight end that was there for a while who had season-ending injury. Now, before, if you look at Disley's role, before he got injured, he became what I would call a mainstay and a trusted go-to guy for Russell Wilson, who, by the way, is having an MVP type of season there. Um, Will had four touchdowns in four weeks and 22 catches just prior to season-ending injury. Now, Jacob's role seems to be evolving into a very similar role that Will had prior to that injury. Now, if you look at Hollister, he spent uh, two seasons with New England. Now, albeit he was behind some good weapons, behind Gronk and some other players there. Um, but he was really just a journeyman. So the question for me now is, now he's playing for Seattle, he was just a journeyman before. Does he have a significant role? Does he have enough of a role where we as fantasy owners can really trust or use this guy? Um, be careful before you cast off a player like a journeyman like him or figure that he doesn't have any value. And I want to give an example. Think about another tight end this year um, that's having a great season. That's Darren Waller, who's on the Ravens team before. And his best year that he ever had ended with a total of 85 receiving yards. Not very good. Now with Oakland, he's having an all-pro type of season. Sometimes a change of senior is all player needs uh, to really become a productive player in this league. Now, he didn't get his chance to be productive, or at least get on the field, get some usage there until Disney went down. And his first stats did not appear until week seven. But since week seven, last three weeks, his targets have went from 2 to 6 to 10, his catches from 2 to 4 to 8, and his yardages have went from 8 to 37 to 62. In the last three weeks, he's had three touchdowns. This guy carries a little bit of a risk there, obviously. He's not a proven tight end. 
but the tight end position is so thin at this point. I think you need to grab this guy and at least put him on your bench. Now, I wish I could give you a guy out there that has less risk, but um, Travis Kelsey type of players are not out there this type of year. Any guy that you're going to pick up to play in a lot of those positions is going to carry a little bit of risk. So you're about weighing the risk and looking. But here's a guy that I think has got upside, especially in that offense where Russell Wilson loves to look towards his tight ends, especially in the red zone. So take a look at him as a guy that maybe you need to pick up Jacob Hollister, tight end for the Seattle Seahawks. All right, so now we got Bo Scarborough. Now, he's 99% available, uh, and that's not going to be that way after this coming week. When we look at the waiver claims, he is going to get picked up a ton. He played great in the last game. Now he plays the Washington Redskins coming up, giving the seventh most fantasy points to opposing running backs. This is an important matchup. is more and more important in the waiver wire as we get deeper into the season because there's simply less games to worry about. And we're coming to a point where every single win counts. And so a lot of pickups are just for a one-week guy, and yet that's fine. Now, his 14 carries for 55 yards and a touchdown on 3.9 yards per carry was good. He didn't have any targets or receptions. When you look at the guy, he's not really seemingly built to be a big receiving back. That could definitely improve in the future. A lot of running backs, guy like Melvin Gordon came in the league, wasn't known for that and has definitely improved throughout that ability overall. But what I like most about it is that his 31 snaps easily outweighed Ty Johnson's 18 and J.D. McKissick's 14. Now, he did command 14 of the backfield's 19 rushing attempts as well. So it's not just time on the field when they're bringing him on to do pass blocking or whatever. He was getting the majority of the carries, uh, and he looked pretty good. He didn't look phenomenal. He didn't look amazing. This isn't the guy that I'm going to pick up and keep in Dynasty Leagues. But if you're really desperate at running back, this could be a guy to pick up and play. Definitely a guy to add some depth to your running back position. And hey, why not just keep him off of other people's rosters? Kareem Hunt, 23% available versus Miami, allowing the six most points to running backs there. Now, in the two weeks since returning from suspension, this guy's had 10 carries, nothing to write home about, nothing to get too excited about there. But his usage in the passing game has been eye-catching. And this is why I think you need to take a look at this guy as an option for you down the stretch. He's shown very little rust. He's looked great. Uh, come back, he had one game where he caught six balls for 46 yards. Another game where he caught seven balls for 44 yards on 18 targets in those two weeks. He's been very active in the passing game there. Now, he's not going to unseat Chubb as the team's lead back. Nick is one of the best pure runners in the NFL right now. Between, I look at the best pure running backs in the NFL, I'd have to say, look at all the metrics that break down some of those things as far as just being the best pure running back. I would say Nick Chubb and Ezekiel Elliott are probably one, two right there, arguably two backs in my opinion, just as far as being pure runners go. Um, so he's not going to unseat him. With that said, I think it's easy to forget that Hunt, a few years ago, um, back in 2017, was fourth in running back scoring in fantasy. He was excellent. He's young. He's very talented. In his first two seasons, he had 25 touchdowns on 27 games. And so here's what it's like for the Cleveland Browns. you got to love what you're set up with right now. It's like having a true three-down back, a guy that can play in any situation, can run the ball, can run between the tackles, can get out in space, has got great hands. You have a true three-down back um, as your third-down back. And so you got to love that or you change of pace back. So you've got two excellent guys there. In fact, as he continues to be successful, you're going to see a lot more times when both backs are on the field at the same time, especially with David Njoku out. I see those uh, shorter throws going to the running backs, especially somebody like Kareem Hunt. Um, I would say his value is probably more as a flex play, though. You're not going to start him as a running back one or two unless you're in a very, very large league or you're in a pinch. But he's got definitely flex value in PPR league scoring. All right, so now I think we got to talk about Kyle Rudolph at 45% available. He is not a bad waiver wire tight end to look at. Now, this is not a guy with massive upside, but he's a guy who has safe floor. 
Now, when we look back throughout his career, he hasn't been phenomenal. Really, since 2017, he has been fantasy irrelevant, so to speak. But if you go back to 2016 with Sam Bradford, he looked great. He had a very good year that year. Now, Kirk Cousins is no Sam Bradford, but he's had quite the resurgence, um, and he played very well, especially in the second half of the Broncos game, throwing three touchdowns. Um, so there, there's definitely a lot to like there. Now, one of the things that you have to understand when you look at the numbers, because in the last uh, five weeks, he's got five touchdowns uh, coming off of the first six weeks being quite bad. But um, those touchdowns are great. You do have to really counter in the fact that Adam Thielen's, you know, not been playing the last few games. His injury has added a lot uh, to be desired in the passing game, and that could probably equate for at least a little bit of the added performance and the extra touchdowns that Kyle Rudolph has been getting. That being said, at the tight end position, it is so thin. As long as Adam Thielen is out, Kyle Rudolph holds some value. Again, we talk about with Adam Thielen, Stephon Diggs, Irv Smith, the running game, the defense, heck, Dalvin Cook out of the backfield. Uh, there's not a whole lot of upside there. But if you're looking for a standard league plug-and-play, especially in games where Adam Thielen is out, Kyle Rudolph is a guy to look towards. And again, he's 45% available. So I always like talking about guys who are at least a little bit more available. So essentially half of you are going to be able to look at him. Not the greatest option, but at this point in the season, if you're looking at picking up a tight end, it's hard to imagine there's much better of an option out there. Devontae Parker, 42% available. I can't believe he's basically 50% available out there in a lot of leagues. Now, next week he plays the Browns, who allow the 12th fewest points to wide receivers. Now, I've mentioned this before, but he's a first-round pick. And the reason I like to mention that, it just reminds us, this guy has skills, he's got the pedigree. He's not like a seventh-round pick and afterthought who's just there simply as a volume play who doesn't have a lot of talent. He does got skill. Now, right now he's on pace for 966 receiving yards, and that pace has actually gone up recently with Preston Williams out. Today he had seven catches, 135 yards, had a huge game. He's the clear-cut, hands-down, best wide receiver and weapon they have right now on that team. And Miami will often be playing from behind late in games, so they're going to force-feed him targets, especially now that Preston Williams is out. Now, he's had 20 targets the last two weeks. Three times in the last five games, he had double-digit targets. In his schedule, here's, what, here's why you got to love him, okay? Here's his schedule. If you look at weeks 13, 14, 15, and 16, his schedule is excellent. Versus Philadelphia, Jets, Giants, and Cincinnati, all those teams are in the bottom third in terms of points allowed to wide receivers. He's got a great schedule coming up. You've got to grab this guy, and he's going to help win some games for you. At 27% available, you got to take a look at Jamison Crowder. For starters, 27% is not a highly available, but he's had quite a bit of production, especially in PPR leagues, and in recent, finding the end zone quite a bit. Before we get to any of that, though, one of the big reasons is if you're one of those teams fighting for a playoff spot in a PPR league, this guy is an absolute stud. He had less value in standard leagues, but again, we'll get to the touchdowns in this week versus Oakland giving up the six most fantasy points to wide receivers. He is absolutely one of those pickups that can help boost you into a win, help get you that extra win you need to get in the playoffs, get a bye, whatever it may be. Now, he's had an interesting season so far because he comes out week one, 14 catches, 99 yards, 17 targets, that's 24.3 fantasy points without even finding the end zone. Then, of course, we have Sam Darnold going down for a few weeks, and that really hurt him. Then we come back to a few weeks later versus Dallas, his six catches for 98 yards. That's a solid week. Still hasn't found the end zone, though, and it's starting to be concerned. Then he plays New England and Jacksonville. That's two good defenses, and he disappoints again. 
And it's definitely starting to look like, okay, even though Sam Darnold's back, you know, he doesn't have a whole lot of value. But you really just have to evaluate the fact that that's some tough matchups right there. So we look at the last three weeks, Miami, the Giants, and the Washington Redskins, those three games. He had eight catches, five catches, and five catches, 83 yards, 81 yards, and 71 yards. And in all three games, he scored a touchdown. He has really worked himself into clear-cut the number one target for Sam Darnold. He scored 23, 19, and 18 fantasy points, and he's a guy that you should definitely start considering starting almost every week. In a bad matchup against a good pass defense, don't get me wrong, he is a sitable wide receiver, but in a good matchup, I definitely like this guy quite a bit. Not the most highly available option, but with his production as of late, you definitely have to pick this guy up. Do not leave him on the waiver wire any longer. Debo Samuel, 50% available. Now next week he plays Green Bay along the ninth fewest points wide receiver. It's not a great matchup there. I don't know if you watch this guy play, but man, he is very physical after the catch. It reminds me a lot of Anquin Bolden or Heinz Ward, if you ever watch those guys play. Very physical once again. Um, the last two weeks, he's looked unstoppable. He's really earned the trust of Jimmy Garoppolo in that offense. In weeks 10 and 11, he had 10 targets one week, had 11 the other week. Both of those weeks ending in eight catches. Both those games. The one game he had 112 yards, the other one 134 yards. This guy has been on fire. He looks great out there. You need to pick him up. He's the team's number two wide receiver behind Emmanuel Sanders. Now, the reason why... Um, his numbers that went up, and the reason why I'm still calling him the number two behind Sanders, Sanders missed some times, he had a rib injury, but he's still the number one guy there. Obviously, Emmanuel Sanders is the, the number one, the veteran on that team. But I tell you what, Samuel is a guy that you got to own, especially if you're in a dynasty league. This is a guy that's going to finish it. You're probably strong, and you can stash and keep him next year. Um, pick up Debo Samuel. Looks great in that offense. All right, so you're looking for a wide receiver with high upside. Maybe you're not necessarily going to start him every week, but maybe perhaps this coming week you're in a tough matchup and you just need a player who could go big or go home. That'd be Darius Slayton at 75% available. Um, it's hard to find a guy with as much upside as him considering his high availability. He's had some huge games, especially considering last game versus the Jets, his 14 targets, 10 catches, 121 yards, and two touchdowns, equated to 36.1 fantasy points. That's not the only time he's had a good game. Yeah, heading back, we look at his game versus Tampa Bay, three catches, 82 yards. Not great, but not horrible. In PPR, that is 11.2 fantasy points. Not phenomenal. He did have 62 yards and a touchdown versus the Vikings um, in a PPR league that, or at least in my league, that was 16 fantasy points. Uh, just two weeks ago versus the Lions, he had 19 fantasy points. That was with two touchdowns. What we really see with this guy is he's not much of a PPR guy. He's very likely to get you one, two, three, or four catches in that sort of very low end range. But again, he's got five touchdowns in the last three games. In the last three weeks, he has multiple. He has two Two touchdown games. He's been very effective in finding the end zone. As long as Sterling Shepard is out, he's got the upside to be at least a consideration. This week he plays the Bears, give him the fifth fewest fantasy points to wide receivers, so he certainly holds lower value. I won't address too much of that right now. This isn't a start-sit video, uh, but definitely pick him up, put him on your roster, and, you know, when they come into some better matchups in the fantasy playoffs, round out your wide receiver three in a standard league, he can absolutely do that. It's hard for me to not talk about a guy with this much upside, so we had to put him in the video. Darius Slayton has burned some people. He's had some very bad weeks. Heck, uh, just the other week versus Dallas, he had just one catch for six yards. That's pretty bad, so don't get me wrong. There's some risk involved, but pick him up. You don't have to start him every week. Pick him up. Again, 75% available. What about Baker Mayfield? 46% available. Okay, I know Baker Mayfield has disappointed a lot of owners. He had an excellent rookie season, came out. He was high. I think he was top 10 on a lot of people's draft boards. 
um, and he has been bad. And I think a lot of people are gun shy about using him right now, but I think he's turned a corner, and I think he's back on track. Now, last three games, Davin, just under 19 fantasy points per game, really solid there. During those three games, he's had five touchdown passes, zero interceptions, and he added a rushing touchdown. He's got a great matchup next week versus Miami, allowing the ninth most points to quarterbacks. Today, Josh Allen versus Miami looked like Peyton Manning looked great there. I think the addition of uh, Kareem Hunt in that offense is a major boost for him. It helps quite a bit there. So I know Baker Mayfield struggle. I know a lot of you got burnt by this guy. But I think for a stream next week, he's a guy that you can play and you can trust for one week. All right, now we got to talk about Derek Carr at 32% available. If you're looking for a quarterback this week, consider Derek Carr. He plays the Jets, giving up the 12th most fantasy points to wide receivers. And he's actually been pretty productive. Now, heading into week 11, his nine yards per carry over the previous four games was second best in the NFL. He followed that up last game with 10.2 yards per attempt. And so he has been top of the NFL in efficiency per attempt. He's been very consistent. Now, it's interesting for a guy who has such a high efficiency rating per attempt, getting tons of yards per attempt. Why doesn't he have more touchdowns? He's not insanely high in the touchdown marker. That's because they've started to figure out their defense, they're well coached, and they run the ball well with Josh Jacobs. But he is a very safe quarterback. And at this point in the season, that's not an insult. I think at the beginning of the year, if I'm talking about drafting a guy before the season started, safe can come across as an insult. At this point in the season, it's not. His last five games, he scored 17.7, 23.4, 19.6, 13.1, and 19.8 fantasy points. That is absolute consistency. And if you're heading into a matchup this week where you know you think, hey, I'm, I already look like I'm going to win this game, but I want a good quarterback. I don't want to feel uncomfortable with the quarterback that I'm putting in my lineup. Derek Carr is absolutely the guy to come in. And again, good matchup versus the Jets. So I absolutely like that. Um, very good situation. Considered him, again, not the most upside, but safe, safe floor. That could very well round out your lineup heading into week 12. James Washington, 92% available versus Cincinnati, allowing the 11th most points to wide receivers. So here's what we need to do. Um, I'm going to assume right now at this point that uh, Juju Smith-Schuster and Deontay Johnson are going to clear concussion protocol. They left week 11 with concussions. Uh, we'll need to see if they clear. Obviously, um, their potential absence is going to increase James' value. So we're going to have to monitor that as the week goes on. Now, if you look at Washington, he came out of college, and he had really uh, last year and this year in the preseason, he looked really good. In fact, going into this year, he really looked poised with Antonio Brown being gone to become the number two guy there. I think there's a few things that hurt him this year. One, Ben Roethlisberger going down, obviously, and Deontay Johnson getting some of those targets. Uh, but if you look at what's happening recently, there's been a slight increase in his role, his targets, and production. In fact, he has best game as a pro in Week 10 where he had six catches, 90 yards, and a touchdown. Now, earlier, Johnson was clearly the number two wide receiver there. But he's ceded some of those uh, targets and some of his role to Washington, who I think is going to continue to have an increased role and could have some weekly play value based on the availability of Juju Smith-Schuster and Deontay Johnson. So watch that. But I do like James Washington. He's a guy that's got upside. I like him more in dynasty leagues than I do redraft leagues. All right, now we get to talk about Darius Geis. At 53% available, he's a pickup you need to consider. Now, when we look at last week, here's what we see from this last game. He comes back from injury, and Adrian Peterson gets the start, um, and he actually outcarried Darius Geis 9-7. to But Darius Geis was more productive. His 3.4 yards per carry beats Adrian Peterson's 2.8. Plus, he added in a 45-yard touchdown catch, um, making that a pretty solid game returning from the IR. Definitely something to consider. His performance was great. 
Now, he did have a big 45-yard touchdown catch. I do want to preface that, kind of slow the hype down a little bit and say that he has just five catches in three games. He's not going to be a PPR stud, at least this season. Um, but if you're looking for a running back at this point, it's hard to imagine there's a guy with as much possibility as him. That team isn't great. There's a lot to be desired, especially at the quarterback position from Dwayne Haskins, but it is a good matchup this week. Um, he does play the Detroit Lions, give him the second most fantasy points to running backs. He's a guy who, for me, his biggest strong suit would be as a stash in keeper slash dynasty leagues to see uh, maybe if you don't like your roster or you keep a lot of players in your league, put him on your roster, put him in your bench and see what he does. I think this next game versus Detroit is really going to be a strong telling point. And then of course this offseason, we'll see what happens with the quarterback, the offensive line, the whole team. Um, but he's a guy who could have huge value next year. Absolutely worth a dynasty stash. And on that matter, you guys definitely got to check out our dynasty um, uh, keepers or dynasty trade targets, excuse me, uh, video that we're going to be coming out with this week. But I believe I already mentioned that. We'll move on now and talk about our next player. Golden Tate, only 20% available. I know I'm going to get some heat from some of you guys out there that early in the year I say he doesn't have a lot of value because I thought, you know, Sterling Shepard's ahead of him. We look at Evan Ingram ahead of him. And then, of course, um, Saquon Barkley. Well, one, uh, Shepard has been uh, struggling all year with concussions. He is out. Evan Ingram has missed some time. And so he's become the team's number one wide receiver. Now, next week, he has a tougher matchup versus the Bears, only allowing the fifth fewest points to wide receivers. Not a great matchup. Now, Sterling Shepard's in concussion protocol. And there's been a lot of talk. He's going to go on the IR. It's going to end his year. Um, it's the third time this year he's been on concussion protocol, and that leaves Tate as the number one wide receiver there. Now, uh, he was suspended, but his first game back after suspension, he was kind of quiet there. But since then, the next five games, he's averaged 8.8 .8 targets per game, six catches, and 80.8 receiving yards per game, plus he's added three touchdowns, so he's looked really good there. That was not highly available, but if you're in one of the five leagues that are, he's available out there, I think you need to grab this guy. Once again, for a fifth of you, he is available. Golden Tate, pick him up. All right, at 20% available, if you're looking for a wide receiver, take a look at Tyrell Williams. And we just talked about Derek Carr, and this is another player from that Raiders offense that you should consider. The Jets, not only they give a lot of fantasy points to the quarterbacks, they give up the second most fantasy points to opposing wide receivers. And this is a guy who we know can be productive. He had five straight weeks to start the season where he scored. That's five touchdowns in five weeks. He looked very good. Now, since then, over the last three weeks, he has struggled, and he hasn't scored in any of those games. But you do have to also notice that's five touchdowns in eight games when you consider by week and injury. And you take in the fact that this is the easiest matchup he has had all season long. This could very well be a game for him to get back to what he was doing. Now, again, I don't think that he has a super high ceiling. I don't think he's a guy who's going to go for 150 to 200 yards. But a touchdown is a very doable, and I like his quarterback-coach duo. I, I love what he's working with there. I feel like this is a safe wide receiver three plug-in this week. So here's a guy that uh, he scares me. But some of you, you're desperate, and you're going to need to take a look at this guy, and that's Nelson Aguilar, 87% available. Versus Seattle, allowing the 11th most points to wide receivers. Got a good matchup next week. Now, Deshaun Jackson's on the IR. He's done for the year. Alshon Jeffrey missed a game Sunday with an ankle injury, and he's generally struggled this year if you look at Jeffrey. Uh, just not the same wide receiver he was in Chicago when people thought this guy could become a potential uh, uh, perennial all-pro, possibly Hall of Famer, you know, a perennial guy that's going to get you 1,000 yards every year. Just hasn't been that wide receiver since he left Chicago there. Now, if you go back to weeks uh, two and three for Nelson Aguilar, when some other wide receivers were injured, he had some huge numbers. In fact, he had back-to-back -back weeks, right over 25 fantasy points per game in PPR leagues. He totaled during those two weeks 16 catches, 157 yards, and three touchdowns. 
Now, um, he's done this many times in his career. If you actually follow Nelson Aguilar, it's been many times where he'll get hot, he'll get fancy on his radar uh, to only disappoint you once you grab this guy and feel like you can trust him. Another thing I think makes him a little scary there as far as the presence of Dallas Goddard and um, Zach Ertz. Um, so I think he's got a limited floor, but they're thin at the wide receiver position. They're facing Seattle, um, Giants and Miami defense coming up. And so they are very friendly. They do yield points to wide receivers. So Nelson Aguilar is a guy that uh, if you're in a deep league and you play three wide receivers, let's say in a 16-team league, he could have value for you out there. All right. Now, sort of a last call on the Kenyon Drake train. He's only 17% available. That's why I say that. But if you haven't picked him up, you should definitely still consider it. Unless you're in a very small league, like six or eight teams, he should be on a lineup in every league. Of course, he comes up with that phenomenal game versus a solid 49ers defense with 110 rushing yards, 52 receiving yards. He has not been quite as productive in the two games since, but last game he had 67 rushing yards, 4.2 yards per carry, and he had six catches on seven targets. That did just equate to uh, 13 yards. That's 2.2 yards per catch. I didn't watch the game, so I didn't see necessarily the game trends to explain why that happened. But you'd, of course, like to see him get more yards per catch. The week before, he had seven targets, six catches, and six yards. So that is definitely a weird situation that we have to look at. But it's been very phenomenal. David Johnson is just... That guy is just disappearing, and Chase Edmonds has been out with that hamstring injury. Kenyon Drake, pick him up. Take a look at him. At least store him on your roster. He does have a tough schedule coming up, though. Uh, he plays the Rams, the Steelers, the Seahawks, the Browns, and the Rams. Cameron Brait. Okay, so a little risky at this point. He's 98% available out there. I do think he's going to have a role. Um, I like O.J. Howard. At least I did go into this year. Burnt me. Drafted him in a couple leagues. Hasn't worked out well. I had to drop him back in like week three or four. Um, look like O.J. Howard is going to get that roll back. They're talking about trying to use him more, get him more involved in the offense. But today, he had a terrible play that led to a terrible pick that was not uh, Jameis Winston's fault. And after that, he got benched. They benched O.J. Howard. That led to Braid's huge day. Today, he goes out. Braid has 10 catches for 73 yards. Now, we're going to have to watch and see if that benching carries over into Week 12. But I would say, um, at least, it's going to decrease the value of how much Howard's going to see the field there. It's definitely going to reduce his role anyways. Now, if you look at Brait, this is a guy that's been productive. He's got solid hands. He's a guy that you can trust. He's not flash. He's not great, but he's a solid tight end. Between 2016 and 2018, he had 20 receiving touchdowns. So he's a veteran tight end that you can trust. And I assume at this point that Howard's going to see a reduced role. I think the coach is frustrated, fed up with his play. You already saw that early in the year, and then today goes out, has a terrible play, gets benched. The guy that's going to benefit from that, of course, is Cameron Brait. At 27% available, you got to take a look at Jamal Williams. Now, Play San Francisco this week, give him the third fewest fantasy points, two wide receivers. I don't think he's a huge play this week. And I'm going to say it now before I get into too much of my research. I think he's a great handcuff for Aaron Jones. That's about it. He is a desperation play if you are very desperate. But you do have to get to quite a certain place um, to be at that point where you get to play this guy. He did have 13 carries this week, which actually was the exact same amount of carries that Aaron Jones had. Weird situation. We've talked about this every week on this channel, it feels like. The Packers love to give Jamal Williams the ball. He's simply not as efficient as Aaron Jones, and they just keep feeding him the ball. That being said, 13 carries is abnormally high for him. He's averaging just 4.6 carries per game over the last six games, so that's not a trend we're going to see continue. That's going to come back down to that 4-5 to five range. Now, the other thing to note is that they did each have 13 carries apiece. 
but Aaron Jones had three touchdowns, and that's because he was getting the red zone carries. If you've been paying attention to football this season, red zone carries make a big difference, and they're a key indicator of who the better running back is and who the team trusts, and again, a big indicator of future success. We've seen this in many different situations where... You see teams splitting carries amongst their running backs, but the guy that they end up trusting, he gets the red zone carries. I remember it was just a while ago where uh, James White had a pretty good day, but three red zone carries went to other backs, and people were saying, James White will be fine. He's going to bounce back. He was so close to touchdowns. The phrase that I always hear is, but he could have easily scored those touchdowns, but he didn't. Why didn't he score those touchdowns? Because another running back was in there. Because when it comes into the goal line, when they need to capitalize on their recent success and get points, they're going to put the guy they trust in there and that guy has been Aaron Jones who like seriously should be in the MVP race right now he's a guy that I would put on there as a top 10 consideration probably maybe even top five but um, Aaron Jones is great I don't think Jamal Williams is going to take over that role I really don't think that but he is definitely a handcuff to Aaron Jones and if you are desperate he can be played in deeper leagues such as 14 to 16 teams uh, that's my wrap-up for him, though. I don't got too much else to add. If you have any questions, you can leave a comment, and I will make sure to uh, give you some more information. I don't want to bog this video down. Another tight end out there that you can consider is Ryan Griffin, 97% available. Uh, in four last six games, he's been very good. So in four last six games, he's been a guy that you could trust, play, and got you good numbers. But he's very high risk, high reward. The other two games that were sandwiched between those other games uh, were horrible. In fact, the other two games, he totaled two catches for minus one yard. So you're going to have to roll the dice with this guy a little bit if you're desperate for a tight end. Now, he does play Oakland this week, and they allow the fifth most points to tight ends. Tate goes out, he has a huge game, five catches, 109 yards, and a touchdown. Um, I mentioned it earlier, I'm going to say it again. I would love to give you a guy that's a lock, that's great, that you can trust, that you don't have to worry, but there's no Travis Kelsey's out there. There's a reason why we tell you, if you have to start a tight end, you might want to grab him early in the draft because later on, it's hard after the top maybe six or seven tight ends to have a guy that you can weekly trust. But if you have to roll the dice, this guy does have upside. His role is increasing. Sam Darnold's playing a little bit better. So um, definitely consider looking at him for next week. Now we got Randall Cobb. He's an interesting situation. There are a lot of wide receivers there. Um, Amari Cooper is good. Michael Gallup is good. They've got um, not a phenomenal, but Jason Witten's a fair tight end to throw to. And of course, Ezekiel Elliott in the ground game. But he has back-to-back -back, um, receiving games of plus 100 yards and a touchdown. For a wide receiver who's 86% available, it's really hard to get that sort of production. And he's had increased targets over the last three games. That's not necessarily a fluke. Dak Prescott over the last three games has been great. Against the Giants, he threw the ball 35 times for 257 yards and three touchdowns. Then he played the Vikings and threw the ball 46 times for three yards shy of 400 yards. He had 397 yards and three touchdowns. Then he plays the Lions, and he throws for 444 yards and three touchdowns. He's got nine touchdowns in the last three games. He looks great. In good matchups, when Dak Prescott's going to be throwing the ball a lot, you definitely, definitely have to consider playing Randall Cobb as a wide receiver three. In matchups where they're maybe looking at a blowout or against a team with a good pass defense, probably wouldn't play him, but he is worth a roster spot when we consider injuries and bye weeks. So bye weeks will soon be over, thank the Lord. But let's move on to our next guy now. 
Hey guys, I just wanted to stop you one more time real quick just for like 30 seconds before the video ends and give out a huge thank you to our Patreon subscribers. We love the support, the positive comments, any comments, likes, subscriptions, all that, you guys are awesome. But the financial support that we get from a few people on Patreon, that means a lot to us. Um, I think that makes a really big difference and helps us to get new equipment, really support what we're doing here in, in a little bit larger way. I'm not here to try to convince anybody else to subscribe to us on Patreon, just to stop and say thank you. It really does mean that a lot to me and Rob. It goes a long way to help us continuing to produce this content and motivating us to produce better content and more content in the future. Getting better is something that we're really looking at doing and we want to promise to you guys that we're going to continue to give back as you guys have given so much to us. I already said it once, but I'll say it again. You guys have a great day and God bless.